took me to the point where I was so low, I just, I didn't want to, um, I wanted out of that life, basically. So I, I was praying to God, and I don't know if it was just because I was so deep in my sin or whatever it was, but I felt so far away from God. And, you know, it gets emotional because that was a very tough time in my life, um, and I never want to feel like that again where I, I was praying to God, and I couldn't, like, I didn't feel him. Know, I didn't feel like he was responding to me. So um, that was about a year and a half ago, and then I decided to change my life. I want to come back, you know, serve God and, you know, just be on fire. Um, and, you know, I had to do a lot of sacrifices. I had to, you know, sacrifice some really hard relationships and, you know, things that I was in bondage of and things that were controlling my life that was a hindrance, you know, to to my relationship with God. So. Um, you know, I came here, and I was just blessed with this church, and uh, I was introduced to evangelizing, you know, and that's just something that changed my life as a Christian person, you know, like being able to give back, you know, being able to see people getting saved who you don't even know, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And uh, I also realized that being in Chicago, being in this city, like one of the most populated cities in the nation, there are still people who haven't heard about Jesus. And with all the technology, everything that we have, Facebook, I just, I was floored by it, you know? And that's where we come in, you know? That's where we are God's voice, and we need to go and spread the word, you know? This, out of all cities in this nation, we need it, you know? So um, I just want to share a verse. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have granted access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, not, I'm sorry, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, for every soul in this in this place right now, Lord. I pray that we can internalize all the messages that are going to be brought today in this place, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you bring the Holy Spirit onto your people, Jesus, so we can feel it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, and I just pray that you can bless every one of us today throughout our, our week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Man, God is so good. <clears throat> You know, you don't get a revelation of who God is unless you have intimacy with him. And it just, it just stems from that. Amen. And this sister, just with that wonderful testimony, all I, all I heard was intimacy, intimacy, you know, knowing me. How many of you guys want to know God today? Just lift up your hands. Amen. Just, just now literally lift up your hands <laughs> and just start saying, God, I want to know you. I want to be so in love with you, Lord. I want to have a new experience of who you are, God. Know a side of you that I've never known, Lord. Lord God, I want to see you. So intimately want to be with you, closer than the air I breathe, God. Come on, church, just pray to God right now. Tell him right now what you want to know of him, how deep you want to know him, how much you love him.
Come on, sing that this morning. Say it. I am so in love with you. There is nothing else for me. Don't get bored with this lyric. Think about what you're saying. Say, I am so in love with you. There is nothing else for me. One more time. Say, I am so in love with you. There is Sing that.
This song is really intimate and sweet. And I want you guys in this place to get intimate with Jesus. I want you to show us what your prayer closet looks like. And I really don't know where this is going. But God is just speaking intimacy in this place. So show us what your prayer closet looks like. I don't know if you want to just sit down Indian style on the floor. Just sit down on your chair. I mean, why would you have to stand up? Just sit down. Just sit down and be intimate with God for a second. Whatever it looks like, if you want to stand, whatever it looks like, just think about God today. Think about God right now.
extravagant Your friendship So Intoxicating in the secret place, and your love is extravagant. Your friendship. Mm, And I feel I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in the secret place. In your love is extravagant. Come on, I feel I'm moving. I feel I'm moving. To the rhythms of your grace, your fragrance is intoxicating in the secret place. In your love is extravagant. Spread wide in the arms of Christ. Is the love that covers sin No greater love Have I ever known But you consider me a friend Come on, stand up everybody, let's go Spread wide In the arms of Christ Is the love that covers sin no greater love have I ever known that you consider me your friend. Come on, sing that. Spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers Lift up your hands and say that. Spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin. No greater love have I ever known. But 
you consider me a friend, capture my heart again. Cause your love is extravagant. Come on, just the voices sing. Your friendship so intimate. Your love is extravagant. Your friendship. I don't know if you hear or feel a theme here, but it's intimacy with God today. It's intimacy with God. He is an intimate God. Amen? He is an intimate God, and He wants to know you. He wants to be known. He wants, to, he wants you to know Him as you have always been known. So right now, in this place, just lift up your hands and say, here I am, God. I want to hear you say on that day, come, good and faithful servant. I knew you. I knew you on earth. I walked with you on this planet. I walked with you. And you knew me. Hey. Come on, lift up a shout of praise in this place. Lift up a shout. Right now is the time to praise. Right now is the time to praise. And I love you, God. And I want to know you more. I love you, God. I love you, God. just going to flow in the, in this, I got some prophetic singers up here. We're just going to flow in the spirit.
many people feel that sweet just presence of his of God in this place amen see this is birth from intimacy if this is weird to you intimacy is weird And for those of us who are intimate with God in this place, I just want you guys to think about not what you do here on a Sunday, how you worship and go out for God and, you know, shout and run around. I want Sundays to reflect. I want you guys to think about Sundays reflecting what your prayer closet looks like. And I think we did a good job of that today. Amen. Hallelujah. Just give him a hand clap of praise. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah, Father God. God, we just thank you, God, for this time, God. We treasure these moments, God, where we can be intimate with you and close to you, Lord. God, when we were sinners, God, we... We did not know this kind of a love, God. We didn't know how sweet and intoxicating your, your presence is, God. How in your presence, God, we are restored. We are built up. You speak to us. We get direction, God. I just pray right now, God, that in this place, and especially on Sundays, God, that we would have that. When people would come, God, that they wouldn't think about just the karaoke screen, God, or whatever it may be, but that they would honestly treasure this moment, God, with you as a body together to worship you, to say that you're number one, to say how amazing you are, how worthy of praise you are, God, because you are worthy of the praise, God. You are worthy of the glory, Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are majestic and marvelous. Your love is extravagant and intoxicating, God. So we worship you in this place, God. We put you first, God. We don't say we worship ourselves. We say we worship you, Lord, because you are it, God. You saved us, God. Hallelujah, God. We give you the highest praise, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Jesus, you are worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. I would just pray for this service, God, that you would be here, God. Be in the word, God. Be in the word, God. And as we transition right now to the gospel, God, let those who have not received salvation today, God, let it be today that they receive it, God. Let it be today that they are changed, God. Let it be today that they're born again, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, hallelujah, guys. Give the Lord a hand clap. You guys may be seated. We're going to dismiss the King's kids at the moment. You guys may follow Jessica as she's walking out over there. Hallelujah. My name is uh, Ellie. I'm one of the pastoral elders here on staff as well in this church. And it is our conviction that we have to preach the gospel every single Sunday. We don't do it just because tradition, but we do it because it's our conviction. It's our heartfelt check that we have to do it. And so today, if you have your Bible, 
or if you don't, you may look at the screen, but you may turn to 1 John chapter 4. The gospel is very simple. In this room, all of us know that we are created by God. We are created by God to have a relationship with God. That is our purpose. That is our honest-to-God purpose, why we exist, why we're here, to have a relationship with God. We may have individual purposes, like, for instance, somebody might have the purpose to create some sort of new invention that will, change, will help people in the world. But everybody here has the very specific general purpose of having a relationship with God. The Bible says, though, that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, that they fell, they, they died spiritually. So everybody here in this place, even before you knew what sin was, the Bible says that you already had inherited it, that it was inside of you. And so, as you can see in your life, as you progressed, the natural tendency in your life was to do what? To sin, to forsake God, to go away from God. Sometimes, I bet you right now, you hadn't even really thought about having a real relationship with God. It may have been just tradition. It may have been just, you know, church on Sundays as usual or whatnot. But this is so much different, a relationship with God that we're supposed to have with the Lord. But sin separates us. You want to know something? When we are separated from God, we deserve all the punishment of God. We deserve hell. We deserve that torment. We deserve all that because we are literally you know, going to God and saying, I don't want you. I want the bad things. I, want, I don't want your goodness. I don't want your presence. I don't want your blessings. I just want to do me and live my life and do whatever. So that's where you go. You go to hell where you can do you, but at the same time you are being punished. You are being tormented, the Bible says. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But with the love of God, the love of God changes that. You see, because as he sees you separated from him, does he just say, okay, well, whatever, they're gone now, and I don't, I don't care? No, what he does is that he still loves you. He loves you so much. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in this scripture verse, it says here in 1 John verse 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You all catch that? This is love. This is what God did. He sent his son. He sent the, the, third, the second person in the Trinity. And he died on the cross, a gruesome death. So that what? So that it can be an atoning sacrifice. Everybody say atoning. Another way to say atoning is reparations or repairing. So the sacrifice that he did was to repair your relationship with God. To repair it, to make it back to the original state that it was supposed to be. So everybody here can have that fellowship. Everybody here can have that glorious relationship with the Lord. That he is so much better than anybody else that you can have in this life. He's so much better than a, a lover. He's so much better than a brother or any kind of parent. Though God's love is a parent and all those things, he's still greater than that. And our relationship is supposed to be that. Today I encourage you, if you have not received this gift, this, this relationship, you have to make it right. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. What that means is when you hear what Jesus did on the cross, you believe it. You say, I am a sinner. I need to make, I need to make it right. And then what you do is you live it out. 
You don't just say, you don't, it's not like a technic shot. You, oh, I got that already in my life and I'm good. But you live it out every day. It's a real relationship, guys. You saw it in the worship. We're in love with God. He is so amazing to us. And he can be amazing to you, amen? We can all stand up. And we're just going to pray right now. Father God, your word, God, who you are and what you have done for me, God, and for the people in this church, God, it is just amazing, Lord. I pray today that those who have not received your your salvation, who have not received the relationship with you today, God, I pray that they would be reconciled today, God. That they would finally discover you and, and go into that relationship with you, God, and be transformed and changed, God, for the better, God. To live this life out for you, God, through you, Lord. That's what the word says, through you, Lord. So we pray that, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, hallelujah, guys. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God is so good. His presence is so sweet. I'm telling you guys, if you have received that today, if you want to, you know, give your life to God and whatnot, we have Andrew and Lauren over here, and they're going to pray for you. They're, they're literally here to pray for you. They're going to be uh, there so that during the, the video, the fellowship video that we have, they'll be there to pray for you so we can do it at that time. But right now we're going to confess our, our confession of faith. We do this every week because this is the things that we believe, and we just want to declare it. We just want to always put it up in the air, you know, declare it out loud. If anybody wants a written form of this, you guys can uh, raise your hand, and we'll have our ushers pass them out to you. We see anybody? We're not in any rush. Awesome, guys. So we're going to do it on the count of three, all right? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who would judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Awesome, guys. May fellowship with one another. And if you want prayer, they're over here to pray with you.
so good to see all of your beautiful faces at Metro Praise this morning. Who's excited to be here? Come on. We just love loving on each other. Welcome to Metro Praise. If this is your first time here and you are visiting with us here this morning, please make sure to fill out the bottom portion of this visitor card. If you have not received one, please wave your hand in the air. If this is your first time here and you did not get one of these at the door, our ushers will get one to you. So if you could simply fill out the bottom card, drop it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. Let's Let's give it up for some of our first-time visitors here this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our main services here at MPI are Sundays at 10 o'clock, where we meet all together, all ages, our one big happy family, every Sundays at 10 a.m., and then Elevate every Fridays at 7 p.m. If you know any teenagers, please let them know about Elevate here on Friday nights with Pastor Ellie and Leilani. And the team there, they're just blowing up for Jesus. And we are ready to experience revival this school year. How many of you guys are excited for your high schools to be one for the Lord? Come on, teenagers. We want you to do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Our vision here at MPI is to love God and to love people. The two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And then our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect you. It's connect, mentor, send. Somebody say connect, mentor, send. So we want to connect you to Jesus. And the way that we do that, connecting you to, the, to Jesus, to the church, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. And in the back of your handouts, we have the schedule for this quarter, July, August, and September. This is the life group schedule, or the ones that you could choose from for you to go and be a part of one of them. Amen? And I want to give you a snapshot of what's coming up just this week. So this week's life group, okay? So we have today the marriage life group. Come on, married folks, make some noise. You're going salsa dancing. Who's excited about that? I wouldn't do very well because I cannot dance. Everybody says I'm a white girl, so that's probably why. 2 p.m., okay? So if you're excited, married folk, go salsa dancing, 2 p.m. And then also our single mamas, come on. Or, I'm sorry, sorry, single men are going first. Single men, they're going to the gun range, 18 years and up. Single men, I'm sorry, I took your steam. You guys are going to have some fun, 3 p.m. And then today, the single mamas, come on. Child care is provided, single mothers, so you could bring your children. That's going to be at 5 p.m. Talk to Lauren if you want some info about that. And then this Wednesday, our King's Kids, infant to 10 years old, that is their life group. If you have children, please bring them on Wednesdays. Just like you as an, an adult get to choose a life group, this is their life group. And we have Royal Rangers, which is the boys club, and we have Impact for Girls, which is the girls club. And they come, they get discipled, and they get to have their time. And the best part about that is you could just drop them off and have a date night. You could go do your laundry. You could get a head start on dinner. So 6.30, bring them here every Wednesday for infant to 11 years old. And then on Friday, we have our adult Bible study with Pastor uh, Berto and Griselda. They were blowing up this Friday. And ch uh, child care is there as well. And then Saturday, Elevate, they're going mini golfing. Come on, that's going to be a lot of fun. 11 to 18 is for our Elevate, our teenagers group. That's going to be at 4, meet at the church. And then Saturday evangelism, come on, all ages, 5 p.m. How many of you guys like going out to the streets and telling people about Jesus? How many of you guys know that it is, our, it is commissioned to us by Jesus to go out, preach the gospel, and make disciples? Come on. So if you have not done that yet 
and you've been coming to Metro Praise for a while, and you may have even started the discipleship, but you've never gone street witnessing. You've never gone out to go evangelizing, to tell people about Jesus, to share your faith. I want to encourage you right now, do it. It's going to make you bolder for the Lord. You may say, hey, if they ask me something, I might not know the answer. It's okay. Because the more you go out there and allow your faith to be strengthened, you're going to learn. And the next time somebody asks you the same question, you're going to know how to answer it. So the Bible says to always be prepared to give the answer for the hope that we have. And so that is your training ground. We can do it with our families. We can do it with our coworkers and the job. But there's something about getting out of these four walls, out to the streets, that just burns a fire inside of you. Amen? Come on. I know our little evangelist right here, Deanna, got excited about that. One person is okay. All of us, we just got to get into the groove. Amen? And then we want to mentor you. The second part of discipleship strategy is mentorship. Somebody say 101. You come to the church, we have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book. Welcome to your new life. It's seven chapters, just basics of Christianity, how to put God first, how to get rid of the sins in your life that hold you back. And then after you finish this, you get to come into the 201 class with Pastor Jared every Sunday morning, disciples that make disciples. And it's just an extension of discipleship in your life and then preparing you to be that leader that God called you to be, amen? Because we believe that every believer should be a leader in your home, in society, in the church. And so we need men and women of God that are hungry to do what God has called them to do, to be leaders in their community and to come into this class. And then we want to send you out to keep going, to keep reaching, preach, teach, pray, and all that stuff. And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. Praise the Lord. Who's excited? I'm excited. We have a new sermon series coming up called Hot Topics. Point to your neighbor and say, tss, little sizzle. We have a video for you. Um, if you guys could get it right in the back, this is going to be an exciting video. Enjoy it. It is specially made for you. say are you ready to get uncomfortable if they say no say that's a good thing these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about starting next Sunday at 10 o'clock don't miss this series we're going to be talking about abortion Jewish laws alcohol pornography immigration come on drugs and addictions tattoos piercings and music TV movies that's going to be one whole message homosexuality Israel okay we're hearing a lot about Israel in the news right now there's a reason for that and eternal punishment. We want you guys as our church family, believers in this generation, we want you guys to be equipped about some of these hot topics that are in our society today, in the church, uh, in the cultural trends that we're seeing. We want you guys to be equipped. So I want you to come ready, come hungry, invite your friends. Do not come to church alone, okay? Do not come to church by yourself. I know there's family members and friends that would love to come and hear about some of these things. And they might not like church, but say, hey, we're talking about 
um, you know, immigration issues, if they're big on that, or if we're talking about what's happening in Israel, maybe some of your friends or family are, are saying, man, I'm getting kind of freaked out by all this stuff that's going on. Let them come. This is a place where they're going to learn. Amen? So that is our new sermon series. If you guys can please um, go to, on your phones. Everybody probably has one of these. You could go to givingbook.org. Givingbook.org is the um, Disciples Giving book that we've been going through. And I just want to take some time right now to thank Griselda, Pastor Griselda. Let's give it up for Pastor Griselda, the one, the only, the bold, the beautiful, for taking over for my spot while I, you know, had my new baby and transitioned and everything. So she's done awesome. Um, so the, this is the book that she's been going through, all the tithing and offering lessons week after week. So this is on givingbook.org. And it's 52 lessons, so it's, it's one a week for the whole year. And it's separated into four sections. Somebody say four sections. And each section has 14 lessons. And today we are on section three, and it's talking about stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. And we will be reviewing lesson four. And the title of lesson four is Every Person Has Been Given Gifts to Steward. Somebody say steward. You may be wondering what that is. This is the definition of stewardship. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And if you could look, please, in your Bibles to 1 Peter 4.10. This um, teaching of stewardship is very important because God is going to hold us accountable one day to everything that he has given to us. Somebody say everything. I just want you to take inventory of your life right now. Everything that you have that you can do, that you can see and touch and operate, and God has given that to you. And so stewardship w should be taken very seriously because we will be giving an account to the Lord, and everything that we manage in our lives has to be managed the way God wants us to manage it. So in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. So let's get into this. Some of the main points here. There's three main points. Number one, whatever gift you have received, take a moment to think about all the gifts God has given you. Your talents, your job, your personality, creativity, and passions. Then give God a big thank you. So everybody just close your eyes and just think for a few seconds what is in your life right now as a talent, as a creativity, your job, and just say, God, thank you for this, okay? And we should do that. You could open your eyes now. We should do that on a daily basis, thanking God for the creativity, thanking God for the ability to run a business, thanking God for the ability to play a musical instrument, amen? Number two, use your gifts to serve others. Did you know that God gave you gifts to manage for the benefit of others, not to just use them for your own selfish gain? Consider each day how to use your gifts to help others and watch how God will prosper you and all that you do on your job, in your family, and in your church. So those gifts that you have of playing an instrument, gifts of leadership, God wants you to use that to bless other people because otherwise we're being selfish because what he's given to us, he wants us to use to bless others. And I just want to use Amy Santiago as an example. She came to us. She, she wasn't a believer. You know, we won her to the Lord. Griselda discipled her. And she's such a creative woman. And she joined uh, the 101. She graduated from it. Now she's in the 201. And she serves King's Kids every single Wednesday. She is creative. She loves to teach. She's using those gifts 
to pour out to the church because she's saying, hey, I got something to give. And it might be small, and to somebody else it may seem insignificant, but she's impacting little children for Jesus now. Amen? Number three, faithful stewards of God's grace. The Greek word for grace, charis, everybody say charis with a Greek accent, is actually the root word for gift, charisma, which means all God's gifts come from his grace. And his grace is unearned love and favor. That is why God's gifts are not considered wages or income because they are not earned. They are simply received. Somebody say, I receive. Therefore, be a faithful and reliable steward of all the gifts God has graciously given you. So we need to steward, manage these gifts that God has given to us very faithfully. And just an example of my life, you know, God has given me the gift of leadership and uh, that gets to be flow, you know, flow out of me as being a mom. So he has entrusted to me four beautiful children to take care of. And as a mom, I need to steward them. I need to manage them well, raising them up in the fear of the Lord. You know, uh, some of the, you know, all of us staff pastors here, we're managing God's church. We need to steward everything in this church, people's lives, the finances. We need to manage it according to God's word. Amen. Let's summarize all this. Faithfully manage and steward all the gifts God has given you because of his grace. You didn't earn it on your own. He gave it to you. So let's treat it well. Amen. So how do we apply this to our life? Three ways. Be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and your offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, humbly acknowledge that God has given you all of your talents because of his amazing grace. And the key word there is humbly acknowledge. See, when we're prideful, we think we, we were a self-made man. I did this on my own. I got here in my job by myself. No, you didn't. You do not make your heart beat. You do not give sight to your eyes. You do not create yourself. Humbly give God the praise. Humbly acknowledge that everything that you have in life is because of him. Because he created your heart. He gives you sight to your eyes. He allows you to hear. He gave you the brain. Did you create your own brain? No. He gave us the brain that we have so that we can do everything for his glory. And number three, faithfully use your gifts to serve God by helping others. Can you please stand up to your feet with me? Look to your neighbor and say, I will serve. I will be a servant. Who's ready to uh, confess this? On the count of three, let's do this confession. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. How are you guys ready to put this into practice and give your tithes and offerings? We're going to prepare right now to receive our tithes and offerings. And we teach here at MPI, according to the word, that your tithe is 10% of your total income. And every, anything you offer above that is your offering. And here at MPI, we designate it on the envelope. So please make sure on your envelope as you're filling it out that you check one of the boxes. We are giving it either towards missions or building. And right now, we are giving towards missions offerings because we are taking a um, missions trip at the end of the year to the Philippines. Come on. And we are going full force. Yes. Clap it up. 
We are excited because we are going to set captives free. We're going to preach the gospel. Uh, Joe is actually in preparation to come against some of the false teachings and a false Christ there. We want to give material uh, provision to some of the people there that are still in need from what happened last year in that storm. So we just thank you so much for your faithfulness, not only to this church, but to God, because it's before him first. Amen. So if you can uh, prepare to do that, we're going to confess this scripture. Ready? Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant love and your abundant provision in our lives. And I just thank you for each and every faithful tither and giver of offerings in this room. I pray, oh God, that you would pour out a blessing upon them, that they wouldn't have room to receive it. I ask, oh God, as they put you first, as they take care of your business, God, that you would take care of their business, that you would meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I pray that you bless the offering that will come forth today as we use it to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap and please come forward joyfully as you give this morning. Many are glad to be in church this morning. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Woo! I'm excited. But man, we got to do some family business. Somebody say family business. Oh, aren't we a family in this church? Where we, we have two dear families that we need to pray for. Two dear families that we need to lift up to Jesus before we get excited again. The first one is the Ramos family. Uh, last Sunday, Steve called me up weeping and said that his mother was in a terrible accident on a motorcycle. She was riding with her boyfriend. The motorcycle crashed. He died instantly. He died instantly. The motorcycle that they hit, the driver, he died instantly. Two deaths. Then his mother was laid out on the concrete, and I guess the, bicycle, the motorcycle gang she was with left them stood around, but you, they didn't really do all that they could have done, and she's out there bleeding. Her leg tore up, lost her arm, and she's still in ICU today, and we're believing God for her leg to be healed. She uh, is a miracle to be alive. By the time the responders came, they said she shouldn't be alive, so we're praying for her to hang on and for that leg to hang on. And then our special family, the Pachecos. If you're a Pacheco or a friend that came with the Pachecos, would you stand up today? 
I just want you to see how many of them come deep up in this place. Come on, stand up. Let's give it up for the Pachecos. Amen. Y'all may be seated. They lost their father, husband, grandfather. Uh, basically, Rosa Maria, she lost her husband. And those, uh, Brandon and Alex and the others, they lost their, their father. And uh, we, we did the funeral. It was uh, last Sunday. I had to go from church to do it. Monday, the burial. And I want to lift them up today because, I mean, how many know you only get one dad? You only get one dad in life, and they came this morning, and I want to honor that, and I want to pray for them. So uh, let's just close our eyes and just put your heart towards them right now and the sympathy that we should have as Christians, as a family. Uh, Father, we lift up the Ramos family to you. We ask you right now to be with Steve's mom. We ask you to uh, continue to spare her life, God. She's not out of the clear yet. Uh, we pray for her to only get better and recover, Lord. We pray for her to be able to keep her leg. They're considering amputating it. We pray that the nerves will grow back, Lord. Lord, we know that she's already lost her hand, God. We pray for a miracle even in that area, God. We just pray that the doctors will do, God, what they can do, but you'll do what only you can do, God. Heal her, restore her, God. And we just pray right now for those who lost their loved ones according to this uh, accident, the, the boyfriend and the other gentleman, God. They're, they're burying their father, they're the person that they love. God, I pray that you'll use Steve and uh, Carmen to minister to that family, God. God, use them. And, Lord, also we just lift up the Pachecos, Lord, who are missing their father and husband, God. Uh, God, whatever Rolando was to them, God, they're missing him today. And and Lord, I see them here. They're smiling. They're loving you. But I pray you keep healing their heart. You be their heavenly father. God, do what only you can do on the inside of them, Lord. And uh, God, just bless them all the days of their life. Heal every hurt. Catch every tear that they cry, oh Lord. And let even today's message encourage them, along with all of us today, to build our house upon you and our house upon your rock because one day the storms are going to come. And if we don't have you, Jesus, Jesus, our life will fall apart. So I pray that everyone here will build their life on Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. We bless the Lord. Amen. We give him glory. He's good. Come on, somebody say, God is good. All the time, God is good. Amen. Open up with me to Matthew 7, 24. Got a little gospel up in there. Oh, Matthew 7, 24. We're ending the whole series today. Everybody excited about that? Like four of you. Would you do me a favor real quick? Uh, Cynthia, go to the website just in case they liked it so much. Y'all want to watch all of them again. So we got the entire series, Sermon on the Mount, online. And I want to show you how to go to the website and to find it. So you go to metropraise.org. You just look for sermons, uh, sermon series. Go up there and find sermon series. And then when you click on it, you'll see it if you want to share it with your friends so that they can go ahead and uh, watch them as well. Yeah, keep on going down. There you go, sermon series. How many got something good out of the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount? Anybody? You got something good, right? Encouraged? Was it worth all the weeks we spent in it? And then there they are. Just go and just, uh, scroll. oh, yeah, pick on that one, please. And then once you choose this one, Sermon on the Mount, we got it all big there, but you'll see it on your phone. By the way, does anybody like Metro Praise? You guys can find us on Facebook, like us, and review us, okay? Like us and review us. Give us a good review, amen? 
It's okay if you give a bad review if it's honest, but give us a good review if you like Metro Praise. So just go ahead and scroll down. There we go. They got a little intro. Let's give it up for Cynthia. She's doing it, DJ in the back on her first day. Go ahead, just keep going. Keep going. There they are, all of them, all of them. Just go fast. Do it like lightning speed. There you go. Boom. Okay, they're there. If you want to share them with your friends, they are there. So we have gone through every single verse, every word Jesus taught in this sermon. And we're closing it out today. And guess what? We're going to go through it all again. Yeah, we're going to do it right now. How many are ready for that? We're going to read the entire sermon on the mount. Yes, Matthew 5. See, y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. I'm going to do it. And you're not going to get out of here any later than 2 o'clock. So chill, okay? Just chill. Look at your neighbor. Say it's okay. No, I'm kidding. We're going to still get out of here by 12, okay? So be cool. Be cool with me now. But we're going to read the whole thing. You'll be surprised how fast I can read. When I really want to read fast, I can read really, really fast, okay? I think I lost some of you guys on that. Like, you're really disappointed. Like, oh, my gosh, you're going to read the Bible? Oh, man. Come on, look at Matthew 5, Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24 at the end. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Everybody say, hears these words of mine. See, Jesus is talking here. If you hear these words of mine. So I got to be a faithful pastor and let you hear them today. I, I really do. I got to be faithful because Jesus said at the end, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody say rock. Thank you. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Thank you. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice... So that means you're like a hypocrite. You say, I know, but you don't do. So if you hear these words of Jesus, don't put them into practice. You are like a what kind of man? A foolish man, thank you, who built his house on sand, right? The rain came down, the storms rose, the wind blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Oh, man, are you guys amazed at the teaching of Jesus? They were amazed. Some of y'all were going to get bored real quick. You want to watch a three-hour, like, Spider-Man, uh, Divergent movie, two hours, but you were going to get bored when I read the Sermon on the Mount. Come on, don't pretend you weren't going to get bored. You know why? Because some of you aren't amazed at his teachings. But some of you, you're amazed at his teachings. You want to hear it again and again and again. Why? Because every time you hear it, you can better put it into practice. Is anybody really amazed with Jesus' teachings? How many are more amazed with Jesus' teaching than new movies coming out? Than the Cubs? How about this? How many are more amazed with Jesus' teachings than the Cubs winning a World Series? See, that's, it would be amazing to watch the Cubs win a World Series. That would be amazing. Would it not be amazing? But how many know Jesus' words are more amazing? Woo, he had finished, and the people were amazed at his teachings. Verse 29, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Now, let's go to the interpretation real quick. Interpretation of this is very simple. Number one, wise builders put Jesus' words into their lives and practice it. How many want to be a wise builder? Amen. When you put Jesus' words into practice, you will not fall. Now, everybody look up at me, please. Does the Bible say if you're a wise builder, you will not have storms in life? 
No, no, no. See, the one who builds their life on the sand and the one who builds their life on the rock still has storms. They still have troubles in life. That's what storms represent. The rain, the wind, the, the rivers rising up. Have you ever felt like you're going into debt so deep where you're going to drown? That's like a storm, debt. Have you ever had loss, like the people who have lost their loved one? Have you ever been so distraught in your heart that you feel the wind of depression come against you? That's how I felt when I lost my sister. Are you guys listening? It does not say because we're Christians, wise builders, we don't go through a storm. No, it says when we go through the storm, we remain standing. And is it because of our strength, because we're so strong? No, it's because we're built upon Jesus Christ and his foundation. Number two, foolish builders don't practice Jesus' words and their houses crash. So it's not just good enough for you to say, well, I know what it takes to have a good marriage. No, husbands, you got to put it into practice. Amen, wives? Come on, amen, wives? Don't you want good husbands? Okay, and then wives, it ain't just good enough for you to know how to be a good wife. you got to put it into practice. Amen, husbands? Okay, we just can't be knowers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. Now, let me blow your mind with some Greek in the Bible, which is the original language. Guess what this word foolish actually means? Moras. What sounds like the word moras? More. Moron. That's where we get the word from. Do not be a moron. Oh, come on, y'all don't want to hear that in church? Well, you don't want to hear that in church. That's what it meant to those people. We say foolish because we want to sound a little more sophisticated. But in that language, they said, don't be a moron. Don't be stupid. Look at your neighbor, say with Chicago accent, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't just hear what God is saying. Do what God is saying. Lastly, number three, disciples are amazed at Jesus' teachings and authority. Here's the summary, 18 lessons right here. The Beatitudes, having the right attitudes of God's kingdom. Don't just listen, put it into practice. Being salt and light, knowing the prominent role God has called you to be in a kingdom. Number three, fulfilling the old covenant. Know that Jesus did it so he could give you a new law. Murder and anger, have your emotions in check so that you can be in God's kingdom. Lust and adultery, don't be sexually impure, but pure, having the proper kind of marriage that God wants. Divorce and remarriage, do it God. God's way, oaths and vows, keep your word in the kingdom of God, justice and forgiveness, forgive and love your enemies. Number nine, give to the needy, don't be greedy, give to the needy. Number 10, praying and fasting, know how to connect and communicate with God. Number 11, store treasures in heaven, not just here on earth. Worry, don't worry about it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry about him. Number 13, judge. Know how to judge correctly and avoid wrong judging by appearances. Ask, seek, and knock. Persevere in prayer and know your role in the kingdom in God's place by knocking and asking. 15, two kinds of gates. Enter the narrow gate. Avoid the wide gate. Two kinds of prophets. Choose the good kinds of prophets and reject the bad. Two kinds of disciples. Be a true disciple, not a false disciple. Two kinds of builders. Be a wise builder, not a moronic builder. Can I hear an Amen. Here's the application right now. Number one, everything I'm about to read to you this morning, put into practice. Do it. Do it. All of us, no excuses. No, this is how I was raised. No, this is what they do in Chicago. I don't care about any of that. Neither does Jesus. Build your house on the rock. If you were born a certain way and it's against God, be born again. Amen? 
If you have a family that taught you wrong, meet a family up in this church and make them your mothers and fathers and brothers. Amen? The Bible says if you don't love God more than your mother, father, and brother, you can't be his disciple. A parent's not worth going to hell over. If you've got parents that are bitter and you say, let's give you a perfect example. Let's say you have a mother that's bitter towards your father because they got a divorce. If that bitterness gets on you, child, you both going to hell and you won't be there with your mother. You'll be separated in an endless pit of darkness, hellfire. Are you listening? Bitterness ain't worth you going to hell over. So I don't care if your family's in this or doing this. In my family, it does not matter. We put Jesus' words into practice. Now, rudely, not disrespectfully, but we follow him. Amen? Number two, don't be a foolish builder. Only hear what he says and don't do it. Now watch, everybody here is going to walk out of this room either wise or a fool because you're all going to hear the words. Amen? You came to church because you like this church, right? Obviously, unless somebody forced you to come. Is anybody handcuffed here? Like, set me free, Pastor. <laughs> I want to get out of here. I'm assuming y'all picked this church this morning for a reason. So I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to make sure I do what you came for. Amen? Okay? Everybody now hears it. It's very simple. We're going to read Matthew chapter, one, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, whatever, all the way to the end of Matthew 7, what we just read. We're going to read the whole thing. The whole thing. And when you get done, it is up to you how you walk out of here. It's very simple. If you walk out of here going, that's what I'm going to do. That's my life motto. That's how I'm going to raise my family. This is how I'm going to live. You walk out of here, the Bible says you're a wise person. And when storm starts coming against your life, you're going to make it because you're basing your life on that. You walk out of here, take partial of it, Reject the other, because most of you aren't going to be so crazy to be like, no, I want to murder people. No, I don't think most of us are going to argue with Jesus on murder, right? But let's say you, you accept Jesus' teaching on murder, but you want to walk out if you go, well, I'm not sure about lusting, adultery, pornography, cheating on my wife, or, you know, doing these things, making out with my girlfriend, going too far. You know, if you walk out of here saying, well, I, I, I still want to do this, but I don't want to do that, you're a fool. Because he didn't say you get to pick and choose. This is not the buffet of Jesus, it's not like Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a buffet. And it's like, mm, I'll take a little bit of not murdering. <laughs> I like that. I'll take a little bit of God blessing me. And, you know, not you know the Bible says, don't worry. And if I seek him, all these things will be given to me. Yeah, I really want that bless me verse. Oh, but forgiving my enemies? No, I'll leave that there. Because, Pastor, you don't know the kind of enemies I have. Don't expect me to forgive. Oh, I'm going to leave that. See, no, no, this ain't buffet. You can go to that later, amen? This is all or none. Are you all ready? And number three, respect and honor Jesus' teachings and authority in your everyday life. Every one of you are going to have to speak, speak up at some point about what you believe. So, for example, I was doing some construction downtown Chicago right next to Oprah Winfrey's place when she used to be out there. And I was doing scaffolding. We were up a couple stories. And, and we were right by a modeling agency. And I said, man, I want to see what's it like being with construction workers. Is it going to get crazy? And they lived up. These guys lived up to the T of exactly what you would have thought a construction worker would do by a modeling agency. Every single girl walking by, hey, what's up, ladies? Hey, oh, you looking good. Oh, what are you doing when you get out? I'm telling you, I had to hear their cat calls all day long. Come on, let's keep it real. I had to hear that all day long. And they, we ended up taking a lunch break, and they were like, you are not saying nothing. What is wrong with you? They're looking at me. And I said, I am married, and I honor my wife. You know what one of the men said? I'm married, too. It doesn't hurt to look. You see, 
I want to honor Jesus' teachings. I just don't want to say, oh, it doesn't hurt to look at the devil's stuff. Oh, it doesn't hurt to do that. No, I want to say, I honor Jesus. I honor Jesus even when I'm by myself, even if people are going to make fun of me. Look at me bad. Even if somebody says a joke and you're listening to it, you know, they're all happy at the lunch table or, or at your break room or whatever. They're t- and then it gets really dirty at the end. They look at, well, what, you know, what's wrong? No, I'm, I just don't laugh at jokes like that. I'm sorry, man. I'm not, I'm not cool with that. You see, we got to make a stand for Jesus. Amen? Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. Let's read it. Let's do it. I'm going to add a little bit of Italian commentary every now and then because you know I can't resist. Or I could have just put on the audio Bible, like push play, right? But no, you need, a, you need a preacher this morning. Aren't you glad there's a preacher here this morning? Not just a tape video sermon, amen? I'm here in the flesh. We're going to read it all together. I think I can read it fast. I believe we can do this. Here's my hope in 20 minutes. I believe I can spend the last part of our service actually praying for everyone. You guys coming up here working on the areas that you want to work on. Does anybody think today you want to pray on some of these things? We want to leave time for that. Like, Pastor, pray for me and my temper. Pastor, pray for me with lust. Pastor, pray for me that I can trust God with my finances. Pastor, pray that my prayer life will get better. We want to make time for prayer. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read the entire Beatitudes, starting with that, and then the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, which continues on for that. We're just going to honor God today. We're going to honor what he said in his word. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him. Who came to him? His disciples. He began to teach them. Every time you see the word blessed, shout it out with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit, or pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for they theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here's the attitudes of the kingdom. Here's how we live it out in the kingdom. You want to be blessed? Everybody say blessed. Do you want to be blessed? There you go. Keep it right there. Keep your heart pure, starting with being humble. Just be humble in life. Don't don't walk around like you own everything. Be humble and place all of your authority in Jesus. You know, number two, the Bible talks about mourning. Anytime you sin, be broken of your sin. Be forgiven. If you're not right with God, be forgiven right now by having a broken heart. Number two, inherit the earth. You want to inherit the earth? Do you want to be here in the kingdom of God forever? When Jesus comes back to rule and reign, be humble. Be meek. Everybody say be meek. Meekness is not what? Weakness, right? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. How many of you are hungry for more of God today? Stay hungry. Stay hungry. What do you think keeps me pure? I'm 37 years old. I could be out in the clubs acting crazy. I could probably cheat on my wife. Do you know, I don't even want to mention the name here, but you know another one of my friends in ministry just cheated on his wife? A pastor of a church just like this cheated on his wife. I already had one just come out a few months ago. Now two in the last six months. My friends, my peers, my age, married as long as me. Some of them have as much kids as me. So you think it's any different for you? Come on, somebody. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't want to act like I got something that you don't. If we have Christ, we all have what we need. And if I don't lean to Christ and his righteousness, I'll fall in my own weakness. 
But because of Christ, I am righteous. Amen. I'm not half sinner, half saint. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I'm all the way righteous, made a new creation. Anybody else in right standing with God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus? Hunger and thirst for it. Merciful. Do you want mercy on the day of judgment? Be merciful here. Pure in heart. You want to see God one day? Be pure in heart. I love to look at salvation as Jesus making your water crystal clear, pure. After that, anytime you sin, ask God to get it right out of you so your heart remains pure. Remain pure in your heart. Don't make an excuse for sin. Well, we're all sinners. Well, this and that. Should I say that to my wife? Did I say that to my wife when we got married, like on the, on the marriage day with the vows? Did that do us part unless I find somebody else that's cuter than you because nobody's perfect? You think she would have said I do to that part of the vow? Any, anybody here ever get stopped by the police? Have you tried that with them? Hey, you know, I'm going 80 in a 40-mile-an-hour zone here, but nobody's perfect. Anybody here ever get caught doing something wrong on their job? Well, nobody's perfect. No, you understand. People in this world take things serious. We should take things serious with God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many are tired of the violence in Chicago? Well, we need to be peacemakers, so we need to start that attitude right now in traffic. Be kind to people. Start that attitude with your coworkers, with your customers, with your employees. Have an attitude of always looking for peace so that we can calm down and be more reasonable. Amen. And then those who are persecuted. What's going on right now in Iraq? They're pushing out the, the Christians, but they're blessed. Why? Because they're not renouncing Christ. Most of them are keeping their faith in, even unto death. And if you suffer persecution from your friends or family, because like I was talking before, let's say you do something they don't want you to do. They say, well, I still pray to the Virgin Mary. And you're like, sorry, Mom, I don't do that. And then they persecute you. They get their family to gang up on you. They leave you out of family functions. Count yourself blessed. Now, don't be disrespectful and rude and call it persecution. No, you're just being a jerk. Don't call being a jerk being persecuted. There's a difference. One is standing up for the truth. Another one is just people don't like in your attitude. Amen? Salt and light. Let's go on to verse 13, 14 and onward. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town that is built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that everybody can see your good deeds and glorify your Father. And where? Heaven. See, your salt. You're flavoring the earth. The world is bland with its perversion and all that's going on and its anger and its violence and its corruption. From the White House to your house, right? There's all kinds of corruption. There's all kinds of ways to be bland. That's bland. That's like the world. But be different. Stand out. Be a person of integrity. Don't try to hide your testimony. Be a person of light and get your light on. Shine on. Get your shine on. And if you ever feel like, man, I'm all alone, you know why? Because if you put all the salt on one place, it's going to make it too salty. You put all these lights in one place, it's too much. So sometimes God has to put you in your family, me in my family, you on that block, me on my block, so we can spread out like lights and light this place up, amen? Like a runway for Jesus. The Bible says we are preparing the way of the Lord in his second return. Verses 17 to 20. Can I summarize? I didn't tell you. I just want to see how y'all take it up at first. But I want to summarize. I said I want to see how they take it. But y'all were ready. Half of you were like in scared. 
The next part, verses 17 through 20, look at 20. He says, for unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that if you want to try to live by 613 laws of the Old Testament, you're never going to be good enough. But if you come to him and are born again, your righteousness will exceed those who are trying to keep all the laws. Why did Jesus have to tell us that? Because the Jewish people thought by keeping laws, they would be saved. And he was reminding them it was always about a relationship. Abraham wasn't saved because he kept so many laws. Abraham was saved first when he put faith in God. Then he was given the laws. Look at verse 17. Don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill them. Everybody say fulfill. So do you know in your Bible, look at your Bible right now. Is there an Old Testament? Do you see that? And then there's a what? What separates those two? Why is there two different testaments? Jesus separates the two. What does the word testament mean? Covenant or deal. So what was the old deal? Keep these laws. Have faith in me. The new deal is have faith in me and I fulfill the laws for you and give you my righteousness. Can you be righteous enough to fulfill all those laws? No, but who was righteous enough? So come to Jesus and then your righteousness will excel those of the Pharisees. Look at murder. Everybody say don't murder. How many are happy that's in the Bible? But look at this part of what it also says. Look at verse 22. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Do you know that the Bible equates murder to anger? Why do you think that is? Because Jesus now goes to the heart. Jesus now wants to show us that, yes, murder is wrong because a life is taken. But when we curse each other out and we are vulgar with each other, we are just as guilty of killing what? People's hopes and dreams and their identity. See, when you curse somebody out and you're really mad and upset with them, are you doing that really for their benefit? No, sometimes you're like, no, I'm going to give you what you need right now. No, but that's probably, probably you laying on the horn, cussing them out. It's not really what they need. But how many know there's a difference between cussing somebody out and constructive criticism? See, what Jesus is saying is when we're angry and we're cursing at each other, listen to what we're murdering, their destiny, their identity. They're made in the image of God. It's not helping them. It's hurting them. And God says, I equate that to murder. So parents, be careful how you talk to your children when you get mad. Yes, it's okay to get mad, but not in your anger to curse at them, to put them down, to destroy them. Everybody here, be careful about how you get angry and treat people. Is it wrong to get angry? No. But if out of your anger you sin against them, you have violated this and become guilty of murder. Murder. Jesus said it. Come on, somebody say amen. Verse 27, you've heard it said not to commit adultery, but anyone who what? Looks at a woman has committed adultery with her in his heart. See, the same principle, same principle of anger now as applies to lust. See, before it was like God was saying, if you just did the act, you were wrong. But now Jesus goes deeper to the heart. Why? Because you have violated that person in your mind. You have lusted after them and have violated. Now, they may be willing to be in that pornography. They may not think that they're being violated. But God said, I never intended them to do that. That body was given to them by me, not by them. They can make some additions to that body, hello, but they didn't make that body. So if you, men or women, because I know both struggle with it, you in your heart begin to lust after them. God says, everybody say, Jesus said. Okay, don't look at me like I made this up. Some preacher that's really sweaty up here with his hair slicked back, okay? <laughs> no, I didn't make this up. Jesus said it. 
He said that if you do it, you have violated them in their heart, in your heart. Don't do it. Now, you might say, well, I just can't control myself. Verse 30, if your right hand causes you to stumble, all the gentlemen look up at me. It's going to get weird, but it's tight and right. I got a new one from a guy at the gym. It blessed me so much. I had to write it down. He said, if you can't take it, you can't make it. Men, you better take this right here. Take it like a champ. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's quiet when I preach like that. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Now, are you going to get mad at me, the preacher? Is this, is this, am, I, am I ill intense right now? Do I, you know, I'm taking a leadership class to get ready for my doctorate in the, in the winter. I got to take it in the fall, all these classes. One of the books is Confronting Without Offending. It's one of the books I have to take. I got to confront without offending, okay? Have I offended you by doing I mean, how else could I have said it, guys? I don't know what else to say. So don't anybody come to me, well, I just couldn't help myself. Like, oh, I just fell into temptation. No, 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 no. No, you didn't. Let me talk to the ladies right here. No, you didn't just fall into temptation. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, you didn't. You got his phone number. You called him up late Saturday night when you were all by yourself. You got on the high dive. You jumped around. You tested the water. And then you dove yourself right into sin. I don't want to hear from the ladies now if they get into sexual immorality. Oh, no, this man, he talked me into it. No, no, no. You wanted to get into that. Because if you didn't want to get into that, all you had to do the first time he talked to you like that, like, baby, I love you, let's get on. All you had to do was say, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes and get ready for what I got to give you. And then you could take off your shoe and Tap him right upside his face and say, don't ever touch me like that. Don't ever talk to me like that. Take me home right now. And if you don't, I'm calling my pastor, my dad, and my brother, and the police, and they're going to get you. Woo! Come on, somebody. Nobody falls into sexual immorality. You know where BigHooters.com is. Throw that whole computer out if you got to. Only use your computer in front of your family if you have to. I know men that are serious about it. They got them old school phones with no computer access because they're going to be holy. That's what it takes. Well, that's what Jesus said. Look at your neighbors. That's what Jesus said. With a little bit of Italian spice, right? This a little bit. Divorce. Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces except for, except for sexual immorality is guilty of adultery. So this idea that we're just going to keep divorcing each other because we want to get an upgrade, God says, stop that. The only permission I give you is if they commit adultery. Then Paul added to that, if they become an unbeliever and don't want to live with you. That would include spousal abuse. That would include them having pornography addiction and no longer making their rounds in the bed, ladies, okay? So there are extreme examples when unbelievers cross the line and a woman has to say, hey, if you don't want me and the Jesus I serve, i got to roll on. But it's immorality and an unbeliever living a crazy, wicked life. Can I get an Amen. Next thing he talks about oaths, you don't have to swear by heaven, swear by Jerusalem. Look at this, verse 37. All you need to simply say is yes or no. If I can't take you at your word, yes or no, there is a problem. How many want to get back to that day where a handshake means something? How many want to get back to the day when yes and no means something? Well, let's start with us. Let's start with us. I was just talking to somebody the other day, and it was like, man, we had to get it all straightened out. For example, Glenn was here. We wanted to raise $1,000. We ended up raising $1,500 for Brother Glenn. Let's give it up for him. Amen? 
But then we found out that there was $4.10 off. I wrote him back, and I said, what do you want me to do with it? He said, just go ahead and put it towards the church and what we used for our meals when we were here. But you all know, see, that was $4.10 that tested my integrity. What am I going to do with Oh, don't worry about it. That's nothing. No. It was, it was designated to him. Checks were already sent. Brother, what do you want me to do with $4.10? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We'll leave it at that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You've heard it say an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. They slap you on the right, each, right cheek, turn to them the also the other. They take your shirt, hand over your cloak, force you one mile, go two miles. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow. What we learned here is that we're not going to get our way in life by trying to fight to get it done. This is not dis, uh, disregarding justice. So we talked about this. If you didn't get this, we got it on uh, tape or tape. Does anybody have tape players anymore? <laughs> we got it on the website, Okay. This is not saying that the police should just be like, slap me, criminal, and here's my other cheek, slap me again. No, this is not taking away justice. What this is saying in personal injury with you and your neighbor. Remember I told the story about the bird feeder in my neighbor's, um, on my yard, we got into a big fight. Me yelling and screaming at her did not make that situation better. So it's not tit for tat. We should be wronged to the point of if it's going to harm us or harm the innocent. But let's say your neighbor takes your spot during the winter. You know, you shoveled all day for that thing. You know, it's hard to imagine the winter, but it's coming, right? It's coming. So you shoveled all day, and your neighbor just slid into that spot. You have one or two options, maybe three. Slice, slicing their tires, I'm not going to bring up, so we're just going to say two options, okay? One is you can go over there and remind them how much work you put in there and how you, you just feel they disrespected you, or B, you can just let it slide. That's what it's talking about. See, it gets quiet when I talk like this. It gets so quiet. It's like, oh, no, Pastor, you don't understand. I had to shovel that all. What is it saying? In your personal life, you can fight to try to be right all the time, which I love this saying. Being right isn't always what it's cracked up to be. Because sometimes being right, you'll be right all by yourself. Because if you're always trying to be right, proving it, sometimes you just got to take it and be wrong so that you can have some friends and be a good neighbor. It's not always easy. But Jesus said to do it. Love for your enemies. So you're just like, okay, I'll just do it. But I don't have to love them. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's like there's somebody made up the, here's a moronic statement. I, I can love you but not like you. Like, who made that up? Anybody ever hear that? I have to love you but I don't have to like you. I just want to, like, slap them with the Bible. Who gave you that statement? Let's go down the, let's go down like back in the high school days or like junior high days. Like, are we friends? Yes, check. Yes or no. Do you like me? Yes or no. Do you love me? Love comes after like. Okay, so if I don't like you, I can't really love you. I have to learn to, that doesn't mean I like everything about you, right? That doesn't mean I have to like your swag, your hairstyle, the music you listen to, what you like to do, walking on the beach, lonely nights. It doesn't mean I have to agree with all of that. It just means you have to be likable to me for me to love you. How many want to love their enemies like Jesus did? Jesus says, you used to hear, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How many are praying for the Hamas terrorist cell right now? I'm praying, what, for them to get saved or taken off the planet? Either day, it's a great day to meet Jesus. They can either meet Jesus in a dream, vision, uh, 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 repent, or when our hellfire missiles come down. Amen. It's one or the other. It's a good day to meet Jesus. But I'm praying for them. Come on. Some of y'all just talking bad about them. It's time to pray for your enemies. It's very simple. Lord, save them and get them right with you. That's how you pray for them. Oh, y'all want verse 48? I think you need it because you're like, nobody's perfect. Be 
Oh, we're going to shout that again. Be perfect. Therefore, because your heavenly Father is perfect. So this is the standard. It's up here. It ain't no little standard down here. Well, I'm just going to do my best. No, it's right up here. And so when we don't do our best, that's when we repent. When we talk about people that are our enemies, we don't forgive. We don't make excuses. We repent because we're supposed to be like our heavenly Father. Oh, come on. Verses uh, chapter 6, 1 and onward. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. You have no reward then. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it on trumpets. Hypocrites do that. Truly, they have already received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, everybody say needy. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then what God sees in secret, he'll reward openly. Be givers. Help with the missionary fund. Be a giver with tithes and offerings. Do you even have an idea of how much this church is giving away to this community? Number one, Royal Rangers and Impact costs about $50 for a child. There's over 20 people in our church that can't afford it. Church is scholarshiping all their badges, all their uniform. Two vans run every single Sunday picking up people who need transportation. Almost every Wednesday and Friday, we're giving away stuff to the children on the street. School supplies to the children are what we're giving away now. And all these gifts to the youth, uh, Devil's Lake costs them nothing. If they didn't have any money, they could go all the way to Wisconsin, swim in the water, eat food and lunch because of what you do. See, when you give to the church, when you give to the Philippines, when you help out God's people, he says he will bless you and reward you. Amen? Do it. Be excited about it. Somebody say prayer. Let's say the Our Father together. It's in the NIV version. If you've learned it differently, let's just say it here. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those, our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive other people who sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive your sins. But if you don't forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive Amen. Lord's Prayer. Here it is real quick. It's a prayer workout. How many like to work out? Amen. Can you see I'm sweating a little bit up here? I have this little step meter that's on my wrist right here. Like I am burning calories right now. Amen. While y'all just sitting back like by the fan, like I'm burning it. Okay. But you know I got to work it a little bit more. So when I go to the gym and I'm doing exercises, I like to do between four to six exercises every time I go to the gym. Work out the pectorials. Get the biceps going. Here's your workout. Are you guys ready for prayer? Number one, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start off with giving God praise. Every day, prayer workout. Step one, lift up the name of God. Put on a worship album. Read the book of Psalms. Say, God, it's all about you. This prayer wasn't meant to be repeated, repeated religiously. It was meant to be a prayer workout outline. Number two, always pray first for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before you pray for a new car, a house, a spouse, uh, you know, a increase, a raise, ask God to use you for his kingdom because he wants to bless you to go through you. What he gives to you, he wants to go through you. Number one, lift up his kingdom. I'll lift up his name. Number two, make it about his kingdom. Number three, then pray for your needs and the needs of those you know. That's why it doesn't say, God, give me my elotes. God, give me my little slice of pizza. No, it says, give us our daily bread. Pray for your needs and those around you. Number four, get your heart right with God and others. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Forgive others of their sins. How many think that's a good thing to do every day? And lastly, ask God to deliver you out of temptation. How many think temptation is a real deal? 
How about different areas we struggle in temptation? Sexuality. Ask God to deliver you out of that every day if that's a struggle. How about your temper and how you treat people, right? Ask God to deliver you from that. How about being greedy, making it all about you, keeping all the goodies for yourself? Sometimes we've got to fight against that. There's the prayer workout. Lifting up the name of Jesus, praying his kingdom, praying for our needs, asking God for forgiveness and forgiving others and not being led into temptation. Everybody go fasting. The kind of fasting Jesus is looking for is a consecration, not to show off to others. Sometimes churches are going to have a big corporate fast. That's fine. But it's not about what we do to impress each other. You know, in Bible college, it was like, how much could you really fast, you know? So it was like one, the one new brother, he's like, man, I'm fasting one day, guys. No, no, no. I'm fasting three days. Because every semester we had to pick between 1 to 21 days to fast, okay? So let me explain this. So everybody was going to fast. It's like, how much are you going to do? Well, the new believer would come, and they're just so excited. I want to fast one day. But then somebody would be like, no, I'm fasting three days. And then guess who comes in? I'm fasting 10 days. And then somebody comes from, with, you know, like from the chandeliers from the top of the building. I am going to fast all 21 days. Oh, you're so awesome. I can't even look at you, man. No, it's like you stinketh of pride. But that's how it was in Bible college. It was like how much could we stinketh of pride and pretend we were spiritual? If you don't want to eat, this is all fasting is, not eating to make time to pray. That's all it is. So you take out the time you normally would eat and you pray. Because we spend a lot of time getting ready for food, talking about food, then eating the food, then digesting the food. It's like, just take all that out and just pray, right? So imagine if tonight you went home, said we're just going to skip preparing the dinner, eating the dinner, and resting from the dinner, and just pray. That's what it is. Do it between you and God. Can I hear an amen? Verses 19 and onward, the Bible talks about storing treasures in heaven, not on earth, because earthly treasures get everything taken from us. And the Bible says, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your heart? I have a nice house. I have a nice car, but my heart's not in that. Quick story, love it to death. David Livingston was a missionary during the time of the early 1800s going to Africa. He gave everything he had to go there to be a medical doctor as well, helping the people. He preached his whole life. He lost his wife because of a disease she caught there, but he kept preaching. He lost his eye to a fight with a wild animal. So he's walking, one, oh, one-eyed David, there he is. But he's walking around. They hardly could recognize him when people came to see him. Well, one day, he's an old man. They would carry him on a stretcher to the other villages to pray and all of this and to preach. One day, he said, you know, I'm so tired, guys. Just bring me back to my little hut. He's a missionary from England. Here he is. And he said, lay me on my knees so I can pray. They come to check in on David Livingston, this old missionary, and they found him dead there by his bed praying. And you know what these Africans did? They wanted to honor him because he was a hero in England for coming and bringing the gospel to their people. So they brought his body all through the jungle to the place where the ships could take him back to England. But there they tore out his heart. And they said, this is not to disrespect him, but we have a tradition here in Africa that when a soldier dies, we bury his heart where his treasure was, either with his family or on the battlefield. They said, David Livingston's body may belong to England, but his heart belongs 
belongs to Africa. And they took his heart and they buried it next to the first tree that they had heard him preach when they were little boys, now as pastors. And they buried his heart there. And it still remains as a monument to David Livingston. If you were to die today, where would Jesus say your heart was? Would it just be at your college where your American Express card goes in debt to go to school? Or would it be there at the shopping center or just at the Six Flags or there at the Cubs Stadium? Where would your heart be buried? I hope it would be buried with our family for the church and the things of God that really, really last. Amen? Jobs have a purpose. Education, I'm going back to get my doctorate. $20,000, four years, by God's grace, Trinity University, one of the best in the nation. But where is my heart? It's with God and my family. Whoo, come on, Jesus. Look at verse 24, one of the famous parts of it. No one can serve two masters. See, now you got to make a choice, right? Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Make a decision to serve God over money. Now, why do you think the very next part is don't worry about money? Because he's trying to tell us, once you say, as a, once he's getting it, right? Jesus is saying, once you put your life in my hands, you're going to think, now I'm going to leave you broke, busted, and disgusted, like laying on the side of the road going, but I'm a Christian and God's my number one. But you naked. Oh, it's okay. I gave my heart to Jesus. No. Jesus does not leave. And this is, by the way, a lot of people think Hinduism is cute. Do you know that part of what they do in Hinduism is the traveling people will be homeless, wash your windows at the stoplights, be buck naked or wearing one little thing around them, and that's how they treat their gurus. And the idea is you're supposed to give the guru a little bit of money so he can live homeless on the streets. That's not what Jesus does. See, the moment we say, God, okay, I'll trust you with all of that I have. I won't be about storing up treasures, but now what do I do with my nine to five? See, we're supposed to work 40 hours a week, right? Now what he says, he says, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. It's not life more than those things. He's not teaching us not to be a part of those things. He's saying don't worry about it. And so I encourage everybody here, find something in life that you're passionate about. We have all kinds of careers across the spectrum in this church. And when they're there, they're showing up doing it as unto God. They're doing that because they love to be there. They're not just going to the job saying, oh, I don't want to be here. No, they found a career that they really love and enjoy. And then they budget their money. They take care of their family. And they say, God, the things I can't take care of, I rest in your hands. Can anybody here control the economy? Can anybody here control whether or not employment goes up or down? Can anybody control inflation? So don't worry about it. Trust God. Don't worry about what you eat or drink or your body, what you wear. Isn't life more than that? Look at the birds of the air. That's why it's good to take vacations and look at birds, right? Go down by the lakefront. Look at those birds. Aren't those birds cool? We got some birds that I wish I could eat for dinner sometimes because they make a little bit of mess in my backyard, but I do like to watch them. And we got, we got some little cute birds, but we got these big birds. What are those geese, boo? Yeah, those geese, I think I need to help meet Jesus. I want to feed off them. Um, can you look at verse 27? Here it is. Look at verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Okay? Isn't that what Jesus said? I'm trying to give you my best explanation of that. You work hard, you pray hard, you take care of your family, and you leave the rest to God because worrying does not produce one good thing in your life. Look at the end, my favorite, one of my favorite verses, rather, in the Bible. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. 
Don't judge lest you be judged. The Bible talks about not judging according to appearances, but judging righteously because if we're harsh with each other, God's going to be harsh with us. But does he tell us not to have a standard by which we live? No, he's telling us that we have to guard what we believe in and hold sacred that which is sacred and hold that which is unsacred, unsacred, but not to pass judgments like the hypocrites did over things that are not sacred. Let me ask you this. If I see you cheating on your wife, am I supposed to make a judgment and tell you not to do that according to the word? That's a righteous, sacred judgment, is it not? But if I see you, ladies, wearing makeup and a woman here doesn't wear makeup, can the woman without makeup come and judge you? Does it say that in the Bible? We can judge over makeup. No, you guys remember that sermon. Everybody say, ask, seek, knock. The Bible promises, listen, verse 7, ask and it will be. Do you all really believe that? Why? Because we're asking according to his will. It's not for our greeds. It's for our needs. Seek and you will. Sometimes you go through things in life and say, I need wisdom. The Bible says, whoever lacks wisdom, let them ask God. He'll give it to you generously. Whoever is seeking a spouse or looking for a family, God says he takes the lonely and brings them into families. Was there anybody here that never thought you could be married and have a blessed family? Now you have one. You're like, that's only but God. Amen. Two of you are willing to admit it. Come on. Come on, the rest of us, you know what I'm talking about. When you felt like, man, I don't know if everybody was going to love me. I didn't know if they were going to be there for me. You sought God, and God took care of you. And then everybody say, ask. Everybody say, seek. Everybody say, knock. When you knock on the door, God answers to you. Now, here are the final warnings. See, that wasn't so bad. Was that bad? Y'all, I mean, I don't even want to ask anymore. <laughs> Band, would you come up, please? let you guys awkwardly look at me right now for that response I'm going to make it real awkward up in here I just preached my guts out I said it wasn't that bad y'all look at me yeah it was that bad thank God for Metro Praise you know y'all get to leave somewhere if you don't like me what do I get to do I got to stay don't I do y'all ever think about that? I don't like mental praise. I'm leaving out of here. What do I got to do with your ugly attitude self when somebody gets mad at me and I got to see you every week? Y'all get quiet when a preacher gets real. I got to come back every week. Oh, so-and-so's here. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. No, I got to love you. Come on, love me on a day like today. Did I not do my best? Let's give God a hand clap. Amen? See, I needed that. Some of you are like, Joe's insecure. That's why we're clapping for him. Yes, I am insecure. Yes, did you not know that? Of course I'm insecure. I'm a pastor. I have to stand in front of you under the hot lights. It's hard sometimes. I just read three chapters of the Bible. Oh, I feel better now. We got to sing something about freedom. No, I'm kidding. Now we have a choice. After all the messages Jesus gave us are put before us, we have four illustrations that he makes the same point. This is where my Polish side comes out. I love to repeat stuff. Jesus can understand and relate to me. He gives you four ways to understand this. He goes, you heard everything I said? Now there's two gates. There's the wide one that leads to destruction. Don't have to do what I said. Then there's the narrow one where it leads to eternal life. That's where you do what I said. And then he said, guess what? There's going to be two kinds of prophets that are going to come into your life that are going to teach what I have said. 
There's going to be true prophets who are going to really teach what I said. Those are the ones you follow. But then there will be false prophets. They will come like wolves in sheep's clothing, and they will twist what I said. Don't follow them because you'll be destroyed with them. He then said there are two kinds of now disciples. There will be two kinds of people on the day I judge them. The first kind will say, Lord, I knew you. I know you. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity. Then there's another one that Jesus says, I know you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And what differentiates the one who gets cast out and the one who gets brought in? Whether or not you keep his word. And then today's lesson. Let's put it up there again for the scripture in closing as we get ready to close out today. What does he say? You heard it all today. I summarized a bunch of it, but you heard it today. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built their house on the rock. The rains came down. The streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Can we all stand to our feet today? Altar workers, would you come, please? Would you mind if I stand up here? Is that, is that okay? Would we just close our eyes right now and meditate on the words that were spoken to us today? I pray with every head bowed and eyes closed that whatever was of me you will forget and cast off. But I pray whatever was of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, you will hold into your heart and build your life upon it. Right now as the band plays, would you meditate on those things you heard? How's your foundation today? Starting with, are you born again? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Jesus in this message does not describe salvation because that was at another time. This is to those who were already saved and born again. So if you're not born again and you're saying, I don't even know how to do any of this stuff because I'm not good at Christianity or God type stuff, that's okay because the Bible says we're none of us are. We're all sinners. But when we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in our life changes us, forgives us, makes us new, and empowers us to live these things as disciples. So number one, if you're here and you want to ask God to forgive you of your sins, to be born again, would you ask him to do so right now? No one's going to call on you. We're not calling you down. No, nothing to be embarrassed about. Just on your own, would you say, Jesus, change me, save me. You're my Lord. I want to live for you. I want you to be my father and me, your child. Come on, saints who are already born again, would you just pray right now that that would be a sincere moment for some in this place? Jesus. Jesus, show those here today who may be playing the religious game, but they don't really know you. 
Oh, God, convict them today that they're far from you. And draw them with your love. Draw them with your grace that they don't have to be far away. They can be close to you. They can be new in you. Save Jesus. You taught us to pray for all men to be saved. So I pray for all men and women in this room to be saved. That they know they would be saved. If they've done the things that are wrong, that they would know they can be forgiven. That there can be a new start right now. There could be a new foundation. Just a few more moments, saints. If you came in here and you know that you were building your life on the wrong foundation, you were building it upon your opinion, your ideas, what the world says, and now you're switching to God, come on, ask Him to be the rock of your life. Ask Him to be the foundation. Ask Him to be your Savior, your Master, your Lord. Now everybody just say this with me. Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. You're the rock on which I build my life. And I love you. And I will serve you all the days of my life. Now thank them in your own words, church. Thank them in your own words. Tell them what that means to you. Thank them for your blessings, your, ble your family, your life, your talents, your gifts. For salvation, for His Word, for His grace. Hallelujah. And now in our final moments before we dismiss, all of us should have confessed Jesus is Lord and truly meant that we are his. Now from that place of being his child, ask the Lord to tell you these areas he wants you to work on. Not to gain salvation, but because you have received salvation. Is there things in the Beatitudes you need to work on? Salt and light, your temper, your lust, keeping your word, loving and forgiving your enemies. Do you need to work on your prayer, hanging out with God? Do you need to begin to not worry so much and hand over everything to the Lord in your life? Are you choosing today to ask, seek, and knock and to really persevere in His presence? Are you choosing the right path over the wrong? And maybe that costs you friends or family or reputation, job, and you're willing to change today. Come on, whatever it is, let God speak to you right now. 30 seconds. Lord, make the Sermon on the Mount stick in our life today. It's your words. It's all about your kingdom. It's all about Jesus. It's all about you, God. It's all about you. Now, so we don't just leave out of here just being introspective, let's confess one of the words that God said he would do. One of the things in the Sermon on the Mount he said he would do. Let's confess it like this. Everybody say, I will seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and I believe everything I need. Come on, say, everything I need will be added unto me. Now say, I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise him, somebody, if you believe it's real. I receive a new attitude. I receive 
worry-free life. I receive intimacy. I receive forgiveness. I receive being free from bitterness. I receive it. I receive it. It's mine in Jesus' name. I receive the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, be with us as we travel out of here today. May these words be the foundation not only today, but for all the days of my life and everybody's life here in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Bless them one more time. Come on, saints. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, build your house on the rock.